You're listening to the Bank of Marquis Movie Podcast. Now listen, everybody. We are experiencing some kind of disaster. No, it's the end of days. Oh my God. Something in the mist! Shut the doors! Shut the doors! I don't know whether it's man-made or natural, but I do know that it's definitely not supernatural. Heard that sound? What sound? I don't know. Like something was like pressing against the door. But the only way we're gonna help ourselves is to seek rescue. We're going out. You tie this around your waist. Or four. It'll let us know you got at least 300 feet. There's nothing out there. Nothing in the midst. Nothing wrong. Then I guess the chuck would be on me. To take sides, the saved and the damned. Read the good book. It calls for blood. Think something got in? Guys, I hear something. Don't you know the truth? We are being punished. You try it. Who knows how far this mist has spread? It could be the whole world, for all we know. It wouldn't make us any less dead. Daddy, don't go. If something happens, cut and run. You can't go out. I won't allow it. Won't allow it? It was them! Brung down the final wrath upon us! We want the poor! That's what brung down the wrath of God! And that is the trailer for the 2007 sci-fi monster movie, The Mist, based on the 1980 novella of the same name by the master of horror, Stephen King. Hi, I'm Andy, and I like movies. All kinds of movies. Movies from old Hollywood. That's the movies before 1967. Movies from new Hollywood. That's the movies from 1967 until 2000 and the movies from modern Hollywood. Those are the films premiering after the year 2000. And today we will look at a modern Hollywood film, The Mist. It was written and directed by Frank Darabont in his fourth project based on a Stephen King property. The other three being The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and his first foray into filmmaking and in adapting a Stephen King story, the Woman in the Room segment of the anthology film, The Night Shift Collection. Now, 
Darabont has achieved Oscar nominations for adapted screenplay for both The Green Mile and The Shawshank Redemption, and The Green Mile was nominated for Best Picture. And if you want to hear more about Frank Darabont, or Stephen King for that matter, check out the Bank of Marquis Movies podcast episode number 15 on The Green Mile. With The Mist, it features an ensemble cast, including Thomas Jane, Marcia Gay Harden, Nathan Gamble, Andre Brower, Sam Witwer, Toby Jones, Francis Sternhagen, William Sadler, and future The Walking Dead stars Jeffrey DeMunn, Laurie Holden, and Melissa McBride. Although a monster movie, and an excellent one at that, the central theme of this film explores what ordinary people are driven to under extraordinary circumstances. Now, Stephen King got the idea for the source novella when he was in a main market. He noticed the front window was made of plate glass and wondered what would happen if giant insects flew into it. In December 2006, Jane finalized negotiations with the studio to join the cast. And then in January 2007, Andre Brower and Laurie Holden joined the cast with Marcia Gay Harden and Toby Jones signing on later that month. William Sadler, Jeffrey DeMunn, and Brian Libby, each of whom appeared in Darabont's previous Stephen King adaptations, The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile, were cast in supporting roles. Sadler had previously played Jane's role, David Drayton, in a 1986 audiobook version of The Mist. Filming of The Mist began in Shreveport, Louisiana in February 2007. Darabont sought to pursue a more fluid, ragged, documentary kind of direction with The Mist, so he contacted the camera crew from the television series The Shield, after having directed one episode of that TV series, to use their style in the film. Darabont attempted to film The Mist digitally, but found that it wound up looking too beautiful, so he switched back to film, which gave the footage a grainy effect. Now, Darabont collaborated with the production designer to create a mix of eras to avoid appearing as a period piece, but also not looking so contemporary. Cell phones were used by characters, but the military police in the film did not dress in modern attire. And while the MPs drive an old Jeep instead of a Humvee, the other cars seen in the film are modern. It's a subtle, but effective trick. Darabont hired artists Jordu Shell and Bernie Wrightson to assist in designing the creatures of the film, and Greg Nicotero, who would go on to work with, and then take over for, Darabont in The Walking Dead, worked on the film's creature design and makeup effects, while Everett Burrell served as the visual effects supervisor. Because the creatures were described in only a few sentences in the novella, Darabont sought to create new designs, but specifically designs which felt unique. Nicotero, who was versed in film and movie monster genre history, reviewed past creature designs to avoid duplicating earlier screen monsters. Now, Darabont has since revealed that he had always had it in mind to shoot the mist in black and white, inspired by such films as Night of the Living Dead. But the studios insisted that the film's theatrical release be in color. So the director has described the black and white print, which is released on the DVD and Blu-ray versions of The Mist, as his preferred version. And I've seen the black and white version, and I think this story works so much better in black and white than it does in color. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. We start, as all good monster movies do, with a thunderstorm.
We head inside the studio of an artist. We can tell he does paintings for horror books and movies, for it looks like there is the design of John Carpenter's The Thing and Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth, and he is currently painting a figure that is reminiscent of Stephen King's character Roland the Gunslinger from his Dark Tower series. This painter is David Drayton, Thomas Jane. The power goes out and a tree branch comes crashing violently through the window of his studio. The next morning, David, his wife, and son Billy, Nathan Gamble, are checking out the damage. Oh, you know what? That was your, that was your grandfather's tree, the one he planted. Oh. He used to play in that tree. It's mm. just stuff, though. You know, we're safe. That's all that counts. Yeah. Mom, Dad, you gotta come see. Hey, Billy, take it easy, all right? I really don't want you running all over the place. But you gotta come look at the birdhouse is all bashed. Holy crap! They notice something across the lake. Look at that. What is it, Daddy? Mist? On the lake? We've had mist on the lake before. Coming off the mountain like that? Two fronts meeting, left over from the storm, something like that. Sure. Honey, I'm not the weatherman. Why don't you take uh, Billy, uh, get him dressed, I'll take him to town with me. Right. Where are you going? I'm gonna go have a little chat with our neighbor about his tree. David's neighbor, Brent Norton, the great Andre Brower, is trying to get his chainsaw working. It is clear that there is some tension between David and Brent. I guess you've seen the boathouse. Yeah, and? Nothing. Just think we should trade insurance info. No, that's all. Oh, my insurance guy's gonna love me. So while David, Billy, and Brent head into town to get supplies at the local grocery store, let's talk about the hero of this film, David Drayton played by Thomas Jane. Born on February 22, 1969, Thomas Elliott III, who would then change his name to Thomas Jane, dropped out of high school and headed to Hollywood to make it in the movie business. He was initially homeless and lived out of his car, often doing street performances to earn money. He began his acting career in 1987 with small parts in such shows as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, She-Wolf of London, Nemesis, and High Tide. He would then get a supporting part in the sequel The Crow, City of Angels in 1996, as well as in the TV movie Hollywood Confidential in 1997. Later in 97, he would have smaller parts in such major motion pictures as Face Off, starring Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, as well as the highly acclaimed Boogie Nights. He would play Private Ash in the Terrence Malick ensemble film The Thin Red Line in 1998, and then burst onto the scene as a leading man, at least for me, in the shark on steroids flick Deep Blue Sea. He would appear in Magnolia, and then would hit the A-list, at least for a time, 
after he portrayed legendary slugger Mickey Mantle in the Netflix film 61, directed by Billy Crystal. He would come back and play Henry in Dreamcatcher, then was cast as Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, in 2004. He did two episodes of the TV series Medium in 2006, and then would star as David Drayton in The Mist. Other roles included Wayne Coulson in Kill Shot in 2008, Malone in Malone in 2009. He would voice the character of Jonah Hex in a few animated shorts, including Superman Shazam, The Return of Black Adam, and then would earn great acclaim in the HBO comedy Hung, where he played a high school history teacher and basketball coach who decides to market the large size of his penis as a path to success. It's a dark comedy. And then he would appear in such movies as The Pawn Shop Chronicles, Drive Hard, Vice, Broken Horses, Texas Rising, USS Indianapolis Men of Courage, the Netflix adaptation of the Stephen King novella 1922, which is actually pretty good, and he's pretty good in it, as well as the sequel The Predator in 2018, which was a disappointing movie, but he was good in it. He would play Joe Miller in 24 episodes of the sci-fi series The Expanse. He would do other films such as Breach, The Last Son, Apache Junction, Vendetta, Dig, Bad Hombres, and One Ranger. And currently he's got two projects in post-production and one in pre-production. Your wife should be a doctor. She can make a fortune in Manhattan with his handwriting. Yeah, it takes some getting used to. The trio enter the food house grocery store and meet, amongst others, assistant manager Ollie Weeks, Toby Jones, whose bio can be heard in episode 26, Captain America, the First Avenger, Mrs. Carmody, Marcia Gay Harden, Amanda Dunfrey, Lori Holden, and Irene Repler, Francis Sternhagen. The bus leaves in 30 minutes. We'll make it, okay? You guys get the goodies, I'll wait in line. Alarms start going off. Daddy, is there a fire? Is Mommy all right? I'm sure she's fine. Don't worry, okay? The military is being ordered back to the base nearby. Oh, come on. We got 10 days leave. Check our papers. Look, I told you all leaves are canceled. I don't know why. I gotta go check the pharmacy out. Three men meet me back at the Jeep in five minutes. It's an order. Shit, man. Another half an hour, we'd have been gone. A tornado warning siren goes off. Dan Miller, Jeffrey DeMunn, comes running in, and he's bleeding. Something in the mist! Something in the mist! Dan. Took John Lee! Dan, catch your breath. Something in the mist took John Lee. And I could hear him screaming. Shut the doors! Shut the doors, my God! Daddy, I'm scared. Can we go home? The mist descends upon the small town. Don't go out there. There's something in the mist. It took John Lee. Screw that. I'm getting to my car. Mr. No! This proves to be a bad idea. Ah! 
They closed the door to the grocery store. It's a pollution cloud. The mills. Down in Rumsford. Some kind of chemical explosion. Has to be. Mrs. Carmody says. It's death. An earthquake hits and the grocery store and the people inside are shaken. So while the citizens trapped inside the grocery store try to make sense out of what is going on, let's talk about the actress playing Mrs. Carmody, Oscar winner Marsha Gay Harden. Marsha Gay Harden was born on August 14, 1959 and received her Bachelor of Arts in Theater from the University of Texas at Austin in 1980 and her Master of Fine Arts from New York City's Tisch School of the Arts in 1988. In the 1980s, she appeared in such TV series as Simon and Simon and Gideon Oliver, as well as the TV movie Kojak, None So Blind. In 1990, she earned her first major film role in the Coen Brothers' Miller's Crossing, and she received accolades for her role in that film and then would do roles in such projects as the TV movie In Broad Daylight and Fever, as well as the films Late for Dinner, Crush, and playing Ava Gardner in the TV miniseries Sinatra in 1992. In 1993, she made her Broadway debut in the role of Harper Pitt in Tony Kushner's Angels in America, as well as the other half of that theatrical experience, Angels in America, Perestroika, for which she was nominated for a Tony Award. And I saw that production, and I saw the original cast, and she was phenomenal in it. In the 90s, she would guest star in the TV series Chicago Hope, Fallen Angels and Homicide Life on the Street, as well as appear in films such as Safe Passage, The Spitfire Grill, and Spy Hard. In 96, she would play Dr. Leslie Rosen in The First Wives Club and Dr. Sarah Jean Reynolds in the Robin Williams Disney remake Flubber. She was in the very boring film Meet Joe Black in 1998, opposite Anthony Hopkins and Brad Pitt and was Sarah Holland in the aging astronaut story Space Cowboys in 2000. Also in 2000, she would win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her role as Lee Krasner in the bio-flick Pollock, starring Ed Harris. She would be in the TV movie Thin Air, as well as the TV movies Walking Shadow and Guilty Hearts, before being nominated for an Oscar yet again for playing Celeste Boyle in A Mystic River in 2003. She was Nancy Abbey in Mona Lisa's Smile in 2003, as well as Grace Sutherland in the comedy Welcome to Mooseport, which I rather liked. She starred opposite Billy Bob Thornton in the Bad News Bears remake in 2005, was Edith Irvin in The Hoax in 2006, Mrs. Carmody in The Mist in 2007, Billy McCantless in Into the Wild in 2007, and was a semi-regular in the Glenn Close Lawyer TV series Damages right around 2009. She would return to Broadway in 2009 in God of Carnage, co-starring with James Gandolfini, Hope Davis, and Jeff Daniels, and Hardin would win the Tony Award for Best Actress in a Play. She was in three episodes of the TV series Royal Pains in 2010, did guest stars in the TV series Body of Proof and Tron Uprising, as well as 
Law and Order Special Victims Unit as FBI agent Dana Lewis. We played Diane Buckley in 22 episodes of the TV series Trophy Wife in 2013-2014. And then we'd join her Broadway co-star Jeff Daniels for 10 episodes of Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom. She played Dr. Gray in Fifty Shades of Gray. Would appear in four episodes of How to Get Away with Murder in 2015. And would reprise her role of Grace Gray in Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed. She would be a regular on the TV series Code Black from 2015 to 2018. Would do a voice in the animated TV series Bojack Horseman in 2019. Would appear in nine episodes of the Apple Plus TV show The Morning Show in 2019. Was in the forgettable Misfire Confess Fletch, which starred John Hamm in 2022. Gosh, I wanted to like that. She's Diane York. The mother who gets married in Daughter of the Bride in 2023, a decent enough rom-com, and currently stars in the CBS drama So Help Me Todd. David heard something outside. Nobody else heard that, sir? What sound? I don't know. Like a weird noise. Back there in the dark. Like something was like pressing against the door. The others don't believe him. Did you hear it before the lights went out or uh, after? No, only after. After, but look, I heard it, okay? Well, he's calling you a liar. That's what it sounds like. No, 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 no. Now, don't be that away, Mr. Drayton. You had a scare, no doubt. Let's say we all go check it out. David tries to warn them not to go outside. Something's got the exhaust vent plugged up from the outside. You get it running long enough to raise that door a little, I'll go out and clear whatever's blocking it. Oh, you can't do that. Why not? It's an electric door, right? Well, yeah, but it may not be wise to send him out there. Okay, I'll do it. Jim, William Sadler, and his two buddies don't believe David. Now, I know. I know, you're a, you're a big shot artist with connections in New York and Hollywood and all like that, but that don't make you better than anybody else, not in my book. Hey, I didn't say that. Nor do I like being talked down to or called stupid by a guy who went to college just because he's got the jitters. Fellas, it doesn't even matter about the generator. The food will keep without it. Kid, I'm going to start the motor. You raise the door and you yell out when you got enough room. Yeah. Okay, good. Wait! Jim lets bag boy Norm go outside. Norm, come on. Don't, man. Mistake. Pussy. Oh! Norm should have listened to David. Norm? Norm? What the fuck? Get it off! Get it off! Get this crazy thing off me! Get it off! Help me! Help me! Help me! Norm is the first to go. Now, considering that this film was made in 2007, the CGI is pretty good. Ah! 
They try to tell the rest of the people trapped in the grocery store what happened, but most of them, including David's neighbor Brent, don't believe him. And of course, yeah. Gentlemen, um, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm just not that stupid. I mean, what do you take me for? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. So while David tries to convince Brent and the others, let's speak about actor Andre Brower. The great Andre Brower was born in Chicago on July 1st, 1962, and graduated from Stanford University with a BA in theater in 1984. He then attended Juilliard School's Drama Division, graduating in 1988. He would get his first major acting role in five made-for-TV Kojak movies, playing Detective Winston Blake, but would really burst onto the scene as well-bred Corporal Thomas Searles in the Civil War movie Glory, opposite Matthew Broderick, Morgan Freeman, and Denzel Washington, who would earn an Oscar for his work in this film. From there, he would be in the TV movie Murder in Mississippi, Somebody Has to Shoot the Picture, the court-martial of Jackie Robinson, playing Jackie Robinson, the Tuskegee Airmen, and then would play Detective Frank Pembleton for 100 episodes of the wonderful TV series Homicide, Life on the Street, and he would earn an Emmy Award for playing Pembleton, and he is phenomenal. He would be in the movie Primal Fear, opposite Richard Gere and a young Edward Norton, City of Angels, Frequency, and then would star as Dr. Ben Gideon in Gideon's Crossing in 2000. He would lend his wonderful voice as a narrator in West Point the first 200 years and would appear as Marcellus Washington opposite the great David Morse in the TV series Hack, a series which I loved and was criminally underrated and underviewed. He was Matt Burke in a forgettable remake of the TV miniseries Salem's Lot, the Stephen King book, would win another Emmy in the TV miniseries Thief in 2006. He was Captain Bradford in the forgettable remake Poseidon in 2006 and would play Brent Norton in The Mist in 2007. He would appear in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and another forgettable TV miniseries, The Adronomous Strain, in 2008. He was the Secretary of Defense in the Angelina Jolie action flick Salt in 2010, and would play Owen Thoreau Jr. in 22 episodes of the TV series Men of a Certain Age. He would then return for four episodes of the TV series House, and would play Captain Marcus Chaplin in The Last Resort. He then would do a complete career shift doing comedy, playing deadpan Captain Raymond Holt in the Andy Sandberg comedy Brooklyn Nine-Nine from 2013 to 2021. And he was fantastic in that, very dry. Since that series ended a couple of years ago, He's narrated four episodes of The American Experience, was in 10 episodes of The Good Fight, and has two more projects ready to go. 
it appears we may have a problem of some magnitude. Most of the folks in the grocery store are convinced that there are monsters in the mist and begin to barricade themselves inside while Mrs. Carmody prays. Let me help these people. Let me, let me preach your word. Let me shine your light. Because they're not all bad. They can't all be bad. While a few others continue to deny the presence of the monsters in the mist. Maybe you do believe this. Uh, maybe they're not lies, they're uh, delusions, whatever. Uh, the fact remains, the evidence here is flimsy. It's bordering on ludicrous. Hey, this isn't a courtroom. You're not arguing a case, and you're doing nothing but damage talking the way you And are. you can throw as much cow's blood around a loading dock as you want to. You still haven't fooled anyone. Leave it alone, David. You can't convince some people there's a fire even when their hair is burning. Brent decides to head out. Now, now listen, everyone. We are experiencing some kind of disaster. I don't know whether it's man-made or natural, but I do know that it's definitely not supernatural or biblical. And no offense, Mrs. Carmody, but the only way we're going to help ourselves is to seek rescue. David asks him. Brent, look. I'm not discussing this any further. I know. I just want to ask a favor. You tie this around your waist? Or four. It'll let us know you got at least 300 feet. Brent and a small group of survivors head out into the mist with one of them tying the rope around his waist. Sure, there's no way I can talk you out of this. David, there's nothing out there. Nothing in the mist. What if you're wrong? Then I guess the joke would be on me, after all. In a very well-directed scene by Frank Darabont, whose bio can be heard in episode 15, The Green Mile, the folks in the grocery store watch the rope as it heads out, little by little, at first, into the mist. But then... The rope goes up in the air. and then goes slack. They reel the rope back in, encountering blood on the rope, and then the bottom half only of the biker that had the rope tied around his waist. Time to take us an intermission. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Now, content, comfortable, well-fed, and ready for some fine entertainment. 
Is everybody happy? Then let's go. It's showtime. About a half hour daylight left. Guys, how's it going with these work lights? We're getting them rigged up, all right. And we're back. All right, all right save it, save it. Well, these batteries ain't topped up. If you turn the lights on, it's gonna drain them quick. Oh, quick. Five minutes, maybe ten. Yeah, if that. Okay. Emergency's on. The people stuck in the grocery store batten down the hatches for what is going to be a long night. The parking lot lamps turned on. The timer. Must be a different municipal line. Maybe we could tie into them somehow. Get some electricity in here. I mean, walking out the door. A monstrous-looking bug flies up against the window of the grocery store. So while we get another great tense scene of the monster bugs getting into the grocery store and killing quite a few of the folks inside, let's talk about the wonderful character actor, William Sadler. Born on April 13, 1950 in Buffalo, New York, William Thomas Sadler began his performance career with the persona of Banjo Bill Sadler, a banjo-playing singer who cracked jokes while playing. Sadler would earn his master's degree in acting from Cornell University, and a chance meeting with an old schoolmate led to Sadler being cast in an off-off-Broadway production of Chekhov's Ivanov. He would become a mainstay of New York theater, appearing in more than 75 productions over the course of the next 12 years. Most notably, he originated the role of Sergeant Toomey in the Broadway run of Neil Simon's Biloxi Blues, opposite Matthew Broderick in 1985. He would become a veritable that guy of TV and films, appearing in over 180 film and TV projects. So I'm gonna jump around to some highlights. He was Joe Warner in one episode of the ill-fated sequel TV series Aftermash in 1983, and guest starred as a clumsy guest on the Bob Newhart series Newhart that same year. He was Dr. Carroll in the Matthew Broderick flick Project X in 1987 and appeared in episodes of In the Heat of the Night, St. Elsewhere, and Roseanne. He would play Senator Vernon Trent in the Steven Seagal actioner Hard to Kill in 1990 and was one of the bad guys in Die Hard 2 later on that same year. He would become prominent for playing the Grim Reaper in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in 1991, and would become recognizable as a that guy face after appearing in The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and of course, The Mist, all three of which, of course, were written and directed by Frank Darabont, who sees Sadler as somewhat of a good luck charm. He was a regular in the TV series Roswell from 1999 to 2002, as well as Wonderfalls in 2004. He was in the film Eagle Eye in 2008, Shadowheart in 2009, played Lieutenant Colonel Lewis Chesty Puller in the HBO miniseries The Pacific, kind of a sequel to their fantastic band of brothers, played Dr. Sumner in two episodes of Fringe, was in six episodes of the Glenn Close Lawyer TV series Damages in 2012, played President Ellis in Iron Man 3 in 2013, was Sheriff Dokes in Machete Kills in 2013, was in three episodes of Homeland later on that year, 
and was in From Dusk Till Dawn, the series, in 2014. He would reprise his role of President Ellis in three episodes of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., was in the TV series Berlin Station and Day 5, and was a regular in the TV series Power in 2017 and 2018. He would come back for four guest stints on the TV series The Blacklist, and he would play Jack McGarrett, Steve McGarrett's dad, in 11 episodes of the reprise of the hit TV show, Hawaii Five-O. He would reprise his role as Death in Bill and Ted Face the Music in 2020, was in 37 episodes of Our Cartoon President, and is currently in the TV miniseries Full Circle. Currently, he is filming a new adaptation of the Stephen King horror classic, Salem's Lot. Did we get him? Did we get them all? She was right. She said that it would happen like this. She said that they would come at night. She told us someone would die. Our core group of heroes decide to head out. We have to get out of here. I mean, permanently. Why? We got plenty to eat. Now, what happens when one of those things decides to break through this window? We're talking one of the big ones, like the one that killed an arm. Yeah, the flaming torch idea didn't work so well, did it? We almost burned the goddamn store down. They realize that they have a problem with... Mrs. Carmody. Your very own Jim Jones. I'd like to leave before people start drinking the Kool-Aid. He's right. Like your people get, the better she's gonna look. No, I don't buy that. It's obvious she's nuts. Look, a few people, maybe, but... No, I count four. She's preaching to him right now. By noon, she'll have four more. By tomorrow night, when those things come back... She'll have a congregation, and then we can start worrying about who she's going to sacrifice to make it all better. But first, they head to the pharmacy. First things first. The pharmacy. They are stopped by Mrs. Carmody. Where do you think you're going, Mr. David Drayton? Are you so anxious to make your boy an orphan? My boy is no concern of yours. You better explain to Bobby here why we're not bringing painkillers and medicine back for his brother. Well, I'm going, even if I have to go alone. He'll die out there, young man. You'll walk out that door and be torn to shreds, and then your hellbound pride will have them come get the rest of us. Yes, they'll come back for all of us, just like this good lady said. Do you want that to happen, people? No! 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 Well, it is this kind of hubris that brought the wrath of God in the first place. She is silenced by... Shut up, you miserable buzzard! Francis Sternhagen, as I read. People who piss you off is perfectly okay. They do it in the Bible, don't they? A group heads out to the pharmacy. Is that it? That's everybody? Everybody that's going? Yeah. Okay. Single file. Darabont crafts another terrific, tense scene. Guys. Hurry it up. I hear something. Something fucking weird. This sequence features a fine action turn by, at the time of the filming, 77-year-old Francis Sternhagen. So while this scene goes on, let's oh speak about Francis oh Sternhagen. No. Born and raised in the Washington, D.C. area, Francis oh no. Hussey Sternhagen was elected head of the drama club at Vassar College and studied at the Perry Mansfield School of the Theater and at New York City's Neighborhood Playhouse. She started her career teaching acting, singing, and dancing to school children at the Milton Academy in Massachusetts, 
and then first performed in a summer theater production of The Glass Menagerie in 1948. She went on to work at Washington's Arena Stage and made her Broadway debut in Thornton Wilder's The Skin of Our Teeth in 1955. That same year, she had her off-Broadway debut in Thieves' Carnival and her TV debut in The Great Bank Robbery. And in 1956, she won her first Obie Award, which is the Off-Broadway Tony Award, for The Admirable Bashville. Sturenaken has won two Tony Awards for Best Supporting Actress, once in 1974 in the original Broadway production of Neil Simon's The Good Doctor, and in 1995 for the revival of The Heiress. She's been nominated for Tony Awards five other times, including the original Broadway casts of Equus and On Golden Pond, as well as The Sign of Sidney Brewstein's Window, The Musical Angel, and the 2002 revival of Mornings at Seven. She portrayed the title character in the 1988 Pulitzer Prize-winning drama Driving Miss Daisy, and off-Broadway, she's been nominated three times for the Drama Desk Award for On Golden Pond, our revival of Long Day's Journey into Night, and in 2005 for the World War I drama Echoes of the War. She was also in the original Broadway productions of All Over, and she was in the 2005 Broadway revival of Steel Magnolias. On film and TV, she's been nominated for three Emmys, making her film debut in Up the Down Staircase in 1967. She was in 42 episode of the daytime soap opera The Doctors in 1970 and was in Patty Chayefsky's The Hospital in 1971. Other character actress roles came her way, including Starting Over in 1979, Outland opposite Sean Connery as an outer space marshal, a TV movie version of the hit Broadway play The Dining Room in 1984, Played Clara in the Michael J. Fox Bright Lights Big City in 88. Dr. Janet Duffy in the Alien movie Communion. Was Virginia in the wonderful Rob Reiner adaptation of the Stephen King novel Misery in 1990. Lillian in Doc Hollywood. Played Gina Williams in the seven-episode TV miniseries Golden Years based on a Stephen King idea. Dr. Waldheim in Raising Cain in 1992. Played Esther Clavin, Cliff Clavin's mom, in seven episodes of Cheers. Guest starring roles in The Outer Limits, Law & Order, and The Simpsons, as well as Sex in the City, ER, and Becker, before playing Irene Repler in The Mist in 2007. In 2009, she was in the Meryl Streep film Julie and Julia and was Blanche Braverman in the TV series adaptation of the hit film, Parenthood. She would appear as the mother of Kira Sedgwick's character in The Closer from 2006 to 2012, and was in So It Goes in 2014. In 2013, Sturg Hagen was awarded the Obie Award for Lifetime Achievement, and she is included in the New Rochelle Hall of Fame. The trip to the pharmacy did not go well, and Mrs. Carmody's religious cult has grown. Because we have seen 
The earth is scourged with whips and scorpions. We have seen the earth vomit forth from her lips obscenities and profanities of such nightmare proportions. And she takes the next step. What will keep them away? The rock will not hide them. The dead tree give no shelter. What will end it? Let me hear it. Expiation! 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 Welcome to Sesame Street. Today's word is expiation. Mrs. Carmody wants to sacrifice someone to appease the gods. What were you guys messing with up there, huh? We got you now, you sorry son of a bitch! It was them! It was them what done it to us! It was them! What brought down the final wrath upon us! We find out what the mist is. I heard stuff. Stuff? Yes, we all heard stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, how they, um... How they thought that there were other dimensions, you know, other other worlds all around us, and how they wanted to try and make um, a, a window, you know, so they could look through and see what's on the other side. Mrs. Carmody demands a sacrifice. No! Stop it! The monsters are not only outside in the mist, but inside in the grocery store as well. Classic Stephen King. (gasps) Mrs. Carmody preaches. The beast will leave us alone tonight. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll just have to wait and see. Our heroes are in a heap of trouble. Daddy. Daddy. Our small group of heroes decided it's time to get the heck out of the store and away from Mrs. Carmody and her gaggle of acolytes. Okay. I got the groceries in the check stand number two. Five bags. We can grab them. Cars parked in the center lane of the parking lot far end. Whoever gets there first, open up both doors. I'm a little piling as fast as we can, okay? Let's go. But Mrs. Carmody has other ideas. Going out now, Mrs. Carmody. Please stand aside. You can't go out. I won't allow it. Won't allow it? It's against God's will. Don't you know that by now? Haven't I proven myself again? and again and again. Haven't I shown that I am his vessel? She wants another sacrifice. The blood of human sacrifice must come from them. The blood of expiation. You try it. Try it. Come on. We want the boy. You we get want back. the boy. Yeah. You get back. You get back. But Ollie takes care of Mrs. Carmody. Her acolytes scatter. I, I killed her. Thank you, Ollie. Let's go. They head out into the mist to get to David's car. Okay, then. Let's go! Get up! Get up! Come on! 
Of the nine of them that head into the mist, five of them make it to the car. Alas, one of them is not Ollie. Jesus. Ollie! David, his son, Amanda, Dan, and Irene make it to the car. Are they out there? Can they see us? But first, David needs to get Ollie's gun that was dropped on the hood of the car. No. 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 He gets the gun, and the five of them head out into the mist. They drive to David's house, only to find that David's wife is dead, and the house is covered in a cocoon. They drive on. Maybe we'll get clear of the mist. They make it as far as they can on whatever gas was in the car. but they are still in the mist. Well, we gave it a good shot. David realizes he has four bullets in his gun and can save the other four the agony of dying at the hands of the monsters. With the other four dead, including his son, David gets out of the car and tries to shoot himself, but he is out of bullets. In agony, David offers himself up to the monsters. He hears the sound of something approaching. Only to discover that it is the military beating back the monsters and the mist. This is one of the biggest FUs to end a movie ever.
the military are bringing survivors out of the mist, including the woman, Melissa McBride, who left the grocery store at the beginning of the film. The end. Postscript. The Mist was screened at the film festival Show East on October 18, 2007, at which Darabont received the Kodak Award for Excellence in Filmmaking for his previous works The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile. The film was released in the United States and Canada on November 21, 2007. It performed well at the box office and received positive reviews. Frank Darabont agreed to make the film with Dimension only under the condition that no matter what, they wouldn't change the scripted ending, which differed from King's ending in his novella, and in which King was on board with. When Darabont agreed to waive his director's fee if they would agree, they agreed. Money talks. During an action scene in the film, a man runs into a wire-rotating bookshelf in the grocery store. If you look carefully, you can clearly see that all the books on the shelf are by Stephen King. Frank Darabont wanted Thomas Jane to play Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead after they worked together on this film. That didn't work out, but Jeffrey DeMunn, Melissa McBride, and Laurie Holden are all in The Walking Dead. It took a while to configure, but the loading dock effect of having the mist stay at the open roll-up door without spilling in was a practical effect and had to do with temperature in the room and air pressure. The window impacts of the giant bugs hitting the plate glass window of the grocery store was accomplished by hurling baseballs at the glass and then digitally removing them and or hiding them in the flying creatures attacking the store. Thomas Jane was a constant and welcome presence in the editing room in an effort to learn the trade as he was heading into his own feature directorial debut, Dark Country. Director Frank Darabont wanted to cast Stephen King in the supporting role as the biker who ties the rope around his waist and gets cut in two by the monsters, but King turned his offer down. The pharmacy next to the food house grocery store is called King's Pharmacy. Next time on the Bank of Marquis Movies Podcast. Our story begins eons ago. Get it, ladies! And when the world was new, the end is coming! The planet Earth was down on its luck. Oh, we're in trouble! And everywhere gigantic brutes called Titans ran amok. What you folks need is a hero. Yeah? And who are you? I happen to be... A hero. Disney Pictures presents... Who was the Gladden Gladiator? Hercules! Why does that name ring a bell? I don't know. Uh, maybe we owe money? He's the strongest man on Earth. Aren't you a damsel in distress? I can handle this. Have a nice day. He's the nicest guy in town. Don't let your guard down because of a pair of big goo-goo eyes. But he's having a devil of a time. Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? Memo to me, maim you after my meeting. Trying to prove himself. Is this kid gonna mess up my hostile takeover bit or what? The hero is only as good as his weapon. Ah! Use your head. Let's get ready to rumble. My favorite part of the game. 
sudden death. Come on! Take off on an epic new adventure. I'm right behind you, kid! I'm way behind you, kid. Featuring a monster cast. Destroy. Uh, guys, Olympus would be that way. A hotshot villain. I've got 24 hours to get rid of this bozo. And you are wearing his merchandise! And one true hero. of Aladdin and the Little Mermaid. Didn't know you had a famous father, did you? Comes the man. Hercules! Hercules! Hercules. The myth. I'm an action figure. <laughs> the movie. And hey, two thumbs way, way up. Hercules. We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. And that's what's coming up next on the Think of Marquis Movie Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, Email us at bankofmarquis at gmail.com. That's B-A-N-K-O-F-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at gmail.com. And check out the website, www.bankofmarquis.com. And until next time... I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching.